Hey, we're back. Uh, that seemed that yeah. Wow, what a start to this podcast. We we, I love this podcast. So okay. episode forty three, Bailey and Harper after dark again because we've turned into night owls on this podcast. This it is what a we do. Pleasure to be with you again. Uh, we've come to regale you with stories and takes and tales and uh, lots of good things here tonight. Watching playoff baseball while we do episode forty three, and I feel like I've been like jumping or cutting the line the last couple of episodes. You, you can lead us off, buddy. Episode forty three, the greatest to ever wear. Who did it? All right, I got one, and then I got another one, so right. I got two. Fair game. Number one of ministry comes off my head is Troy Polamalu, the nice. greatest safety. Nice. I love him. He's got hair. He's got game, and he has the greatest instincts of any safety that anybody's ever seen before that game-changing plays that just were mind-blowing and nobody ever expected it and all you could say was man that guy Troy Palomalu just made that play whether he's coming it. over the middle jumping over the line blitzing when he's not supposed to be blitzing it was just whatever it was right he was, he was a machine he was always on time with great though. hair always on time and the most humble giving like great person ever and my second one is Number 43, Darren Sproles. Dude, you took it from me. The young. Oh, no, yeah. You didn't take it from me, not really. Oh, but, but that's like, who you I, had. I was going to go honorable mention Darren Sproles, but uh, that's just great. I like oh, that. Yes. I like that you're thinking Darren Sproles, too. So I, I've got one. It's not Who, really you know, he was actually, they called him Tank growing up because he weighed 10 pounds when he was a baby, huh. when he was born. He was yeah. a 10-pound baby and how small he is. So check out mine. Well, you ready? Sure. Uh, do, does the name go. Raul Mondesi ring a bell? Raul Mondesi. Raul yeah, Mondesi. yeah, yeah. That's a, uh, he was a, what was he? Where did he play right for? Right fielder for the L.A. Dodgers. That's who it was. Ronda, Raul Mondesi, not one of the greats by any stretch, but one of the most memorable ball players in my childhood. This dude had a rifle for a right arm, just an enormous right arm. Rookie of the year, 1994, all-star, whole deal. And then after baseball, went into politics. Uh, he became mayor of San Cristobal in the, in the Dominican Republic and served a six-year term. And then in 2017, Raul Mondesi was sentenced to eight years in prison on corruption charges based from his time in office as mayor of San Cristobal. So uh, a guy that I grew up watching and admiring and just loving watching that dude hose people from right field ended up a mayor, corrupt, and in jail. So what, what a life. Isn't it easy to be – I don't know. I'm not never mind. I'm not going to say – let me change my words here. Isn't it – no, it's not easy. I bet the first way you were going to ask it was more interesting. Yeah, probably so. <laughs> but how, many, how often do you hear about somebody becoming a mayor or politician and being crooked and being caught and even up having to serve time? Uh, Especially mayors, local mayors, like city mayors. In America? Not often. I mean, I guess it happens often enough. Whoa. I mean, well, in Louisiana, it happens a lot more. Like, we didn't invent political corruption in America. We, we just, uh, we made it better. That's <laughs> what we did. And, like, people don't get caught as often. But, like, you go into a lot of uh, Latin American countries and South American countries. You see, like, places like Brazil, oh, my God, just rife with corruption. They're, they're pl the place is built on corruption. Like <laughs> That's there are, true. They, they've been a democracy for, like, 35, 40 years, and they're basically run by four construction companies. <laughs> I mean, that's what that's what that's who runs Brazil. Their president got impeached. Uh, another one went to prison. Uh, mayor of Rio de Janeiro, I think, went to jail, too, for corruption. Most of it surrounding the Olympics and the World Cup and all that. So it's a wild place. It's a really wild place. So episode 43, we're here. Man, started off with a lot of corruption talk. I like that. That's, I mean, I don't even have a lot of answers to that. I don't I haven't studied for that. My mind has been completely wrapped around other things. I believe that. And uh, as a, can we just explain how we first came on this podcast? Uh, yeah. We were talking about, man, they don't they don't have anything left. I believe those are my words. Uh, and it was because we were talking about the Carolina Panthers. They oh, just made yeah. a big trade today for Stephon Gilmore. I mean, let's be current, Kyle. That just happened. Okay? That, that's Yeah. That they happened. gave up a six-round pick, which I think is pennies on the dollar for what the true – value of what Stefan Gilmore can be and is when healthy. Sure. Um, he's a great player. He's from this area. Well, he's from South Carolina right across the border, right? Yep. And welcome back home. It should be great. And Carolina is – I mean, they got to win right now. Like – That seems to be the plan. Right? It, and Dude, I, I, right I like now. it. I think it's a good one. It's a good plan. Win right now. That's the best plan. Right now. Right now. If you can do it, why, see, these guys don't play around. and they, I, they, No one's – Scott Fitter or Matt Rule off to a really good start, right? Year two, three and one. 
overhauled the roster, doing a lot of really competent-looking things. And, like, lately, in eight days, to get C.J. Henderson and Stephon Gilmore for a combined cap hit of $7.1 million in 2021, that's, that's some GMing voodoo is what yeah. he's doing here. So, like, it's not just that you have to believe that this year's team is the greatest team of all time. It's that they're doing very competent-looking things in the front office, and they seem very cutting-edge in the way they're approaching things. And well, they, not cutting-edge, but they seem well, very aggressive. Right. Yeah, I'll put they, it that well, way. Well, you right. know what I mean? They're, they're, they're playing the game. Yes, They're 100%. not sitting on the sidelines. Yes. They're not, oh, we, you know, I know we're 3-1, and one, but, hey, we're happy to be 3-1. and one. No, they're, like, pulling more triggers. They're yep. – you know they're kicking the door. They're kicking the tires on some other player. They're they're constantly they're in every conversation or any trade. They were in it. They were in it with the the whole um, Deshaun Watson deal. They they got flirted with the whole time. Yeah, Matt Stafford. They, every anybody any kind of deal. The Carolina Panthers have flirted with every deal that's it's been the available. Best. So it's the best. <laughs> covering the media here and like you do. Yes, it is. It, you always got something. Because they're in every what deal. What more could I ask for as a sports talk radio host than a general manager who is literally making moves every time you go to the refrigerator? They're, they're, it's the best. I mean, and, and like this. And stuff. they pull off this deal, and this is a great deal. And, and on the other side of it, you know what? I'm I'm just gonna say it. I'm so over the Patriots and always, you know, the Patriot way. And why why is it always New England? Like they never can just. The player, the that. player plays well. He gets the deal done, and we move on. Like it's just some of these things. It's always the Patriots don't ever want to do nothing to pay. They, it's, it's always something. So glad you said that. It's because always something. Albert Breer wrote a really nice piece about this today at Sports Illustrated, where he was like, "This is the kind of deal the Patriots almost always win." Right? They play a game of chicken, and they'll stare you down at the, go- at the negotiating table. It's a game of who blinks first. Well, Stephon Gilmore won that game. And, you know, he, uh, Bill Belichick, to be an organization that has always walked away from guys a year too early as opposed to a year too late, that's like their mantra, right? Correct. Well, that's great, but they usually get something for the guys they walk away from, right? Or at least they make every effort to do that. Well, Belichick did. But they were set to release him unless they could work out a trade. And apparently he floated this to, as Albert Breer put it, um, he discreetly put this out to teams that he trusts in the NFL. So that was interesting from the jump because, you know, trust with, with the Panthers, I mean, that's an interesting thing there. But, like, th- he, they kind of botched this one. And now Stephon Gilmore, I don't know if he's going to be here next year. right? He, somebody, he wants somebody to pay him big money, like a third contract. I don't know if the Panthers will or not, but, like, they've got three top ten picks, Dante Jackson in the cornerback room now. Like like you just said, they got they, they suffered two injuries. They lost a game in Dallas where they kind of imploded in the third quarter. And rather well, than the just – Well, the J.C. Horn doesn't, uh, injury does not hurt you anymore. C.J. Henderson is just something on the side now. That's a, a, a growing piece. He's a project. Yeah, he's a project. It allows you the freedom to say – he, we don't have to depend on him. He's literally just a future chess piece that we can use down the road. Absolutely. It allows you the freedom and ability to be able to do that. And so, and also, next thing you know, if he goes the ball in it, then it also allows you to maybe have more leverage versus the deal that you have to do with uh, 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 Jackson. So, right. it, it, it's so much more flexible and you have more weapons, more pieces. I, I like what they've constructed in a very short period of time. And like I said, Kyle, last year, I only like to start in 22. This year, I like a little bit more and more of the flavors. I need a healthy Christian McCaffrey, though. This team does not win. It only goes – and it's it's crazy because we always try and devalue the running back in the NFL. Yep. But he is one of those that has such an elite status level because of all the things that he does and yep. affects the game. Absolutely. I told you when I watched him in person, I had a different feel and appreciation for his talent. So He gets an A in everything. Everything a running back does, he's an A. Right. Pass protection. Well, I, stop that. No, dude, dude. Stop that. Just stop. Don't don't go that far, Kyle. Why not? Because don't give – look, pass protection is a totally different deal. He doesn't even do that. Don't I do that. I watched him take out a charging defensive tackle two weeks ago. That's great. And you know what? He's really good at it. I thought you'd agree with that. Kyle, All right, never mind then. There we go. Goodness gracious. We're not going to give him an A and everything. He's getting tested. He's not tonight. a 99. Okay, okay, but your point is, is well made. He's yes. very important, right? And they have protection issues, so. which, by the way, some of what I got today on the show was, yeah, this is great and everything, great, great pickup, but uh, how about some offensive linemen? You know, how, how about finding a left tackle? I mean, who's got one? They don't one? just grow those on trees. They, those they are don't. different. And who's got one that's worth anything that's just going to give them up for nothing? Like, they, they, that's not going to happen in the NFL. In fact, getting Stephon Gilmore like this is not normal. 
Like, it's not normal to give up a sixth-round pick for a guy who was the defensive player of the year in the NFL 18 months ago. Um, you know, and they've got now a chance to find out if he can still play because he's coming off the quad injury that he had surgery on. But by most accounts, he's 100% healthy and has been for a little while now. So they, they're in a good spot. And I, I can't wait to see what they do against Philly on Sunday. And uh, they're facing five straight teams who right now, things change, but right now they're facing five straight teams that have a one and three record. So they're probably going to be favored in all likelihood in most of the next five games, if not all of them. So we'll see. The schedule sets up very nice. They, they had the easiest first half of the schedule. I think everybody has talked about that before the season. And now it's kind of playing out right there in front of us. They just got to keep it going. And also, I, I, I applaud them because they need to be in the win now category and attitude. I applaud them for that and not waiting to say, hey, we're going to wait till the, the GOAT retires out of our division. But we're going to go for it right now. Uh, Joe Brady's probably not going to be here uh, but another year or so at max. If he keeps calling games the way he did Sunday, he'll be gone after the end of the year. He called, I, th I thought he called a great game on Sunday. He probably did. He's going to get better, man. He will continue to learn and understand. That first half especially. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I know – I didn't watch the game. Well, no, so. it's all good. But, like, so, Sam Darnold, two more rushing touchdowns, right? Dude. He's leading the NFL in rushing hey, man. touchdowns. I got him on fantasy, bro. Big points. And you know what? Maybe that's not something you can get away with every week for the rest of the season. But he's doing I'll take it, it really creatively and picking his spots. Like, that's – he's he's very good at what he does. And well, he's, he's, he's allowing Sam Darnold to be like who he is too. Like, he can run. So, right. allow him to do that. It's very smart. It's uh, and uh, finding ways to attack different defenses. They want to take this play away. They want to double DJ and have somebody float around for Robbie as well. You use that against them, knowing that all right, you got four rushers, I got five blockers, and a quarterback that nobody's looking at because right. they, they they tell their defensive they say, hey, the four rushers, you have the quarterback. And the moment they kind of get out of their lane, and you're like, oh, I'm really throwing, but I'm not, and take off and run, I can get there seven yards. I can Sam, get there. You know what? Again, this is not me crowning them anything, but when you think of what Sam Darnold came from in New York to coming into, A, Joe Brady and his offense, yep. but, B, a quarterback's coach in Sean Ryan who's coached Eli Manning, Deshaun Watson, and Matthew Stafford. Um, you know, he is in just a different galaxy of a situation than he was in, in New York. Who did this guy Sean Ryan coach again? He, he's as a quarterback's coach. He's been with the Giants. He's been with uh, the How Texans. How old is he? 49, I think. He's 49. 49, I believe, yeah. And he's coached who? Uh, he was with the Giants with Eli, I believe. I'll actually pull up his resume right now. But uh, Deshaun Watson and Matthew Stafford, yeah. Yeah, sounds like they were coaching him. And I now think he there's <laughs> a good chance that there's a healthy portion of that, right. Transcendent <laughs> talent tends to make coaches look good, there's no doubt. But there is a lot of wisdom. But he, that's what I'm saying. He up. has learned, I'm sure. No doubt. And with all those different styles, you can kind of put all that together and say, hey, this one did this. And you that's have the cool a lot thing of about stories. the NFL that you know better than anybody. The relationships right. and like this, like those are the things, the reps. Yep. Man, I knew so much more. And because I played so long, I was able to see so many failures or what did not work. Hey, yep. this situation is this. Like the mindset and being able to explain that and be able to have it in front of somebody else and have them learn it and be able to naturally as an athlete, if your mind sees it, you can do it. Your eyes are right. Your body will naturally do right and go and read re-implement that and put that into your game and add it to your repertoire where now a player that's even at the NFL, even as the highest drafted player, they have got better in their game because they've been able to see somebody else. They can replicate those skills and now add it to theirs. That is the players when they're actually improving in the league and not just showing up with a great talent. And again, you know this better than anybody, but that's the cool thing about the NFL coach player dynamic where when it's good or when it's, let's say like, you know, unique, especially where Aaron Rodgers has been in the league Special. for so long and he's, he's head coach is Matt LaFleur. Well, who has more equity and experience than the Aaron Rodgers does, right? Correct. But you know, it's a symbiotic relationship. It, it's, it has uh, to. It has to be. So that's, if it's going to work long-term. Right. And the thing well, about for the, them, they're no, it doesn't have to be because they're not going to work long-term. Right. Yeah. You, you're choosing the quarterback every time that's well no not too. green bay green bay i mean they say they want to choose the court like oh i'm just talking the floor about floor is going to speaking stay. right you know i think I, th I really think this is a rise last year i agree but i'm saying that generally speaking in a quarterback in his prime or somewhere close to it the quarterback is right yeah, so anyway so yeah sean ryan I, I think has been influential but also last thing on this he was the he was a guy who if joe brady hadn't gotten the job as the oc I, I think Sean Ryan would have gotten the job. He was interviewed to be the OC with the Panthers. So oh, wow. okay. I think there was uh, – yeah, anyway, it's, it's a big deal. And so quarterbacks being young 
as everybody generally knows, I mean, there's still a lot of coaching and development to be done. That's why your fit, where you land in the NFL is so important, right? So I say that to say Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville and Urban Meyer this week. The, the, I well, mean, Trevor Lawrence looked really good on Thursday. I, I think he's getting better. I do. I'm glad they. You, he looked more athletic and can run. Right. That's what really jumped out to me. It was like, okay, if you look like you can run the league, that's like, okay, Trevor, you can move. Sure. But which like, is good. You know, do you want Urban Meyer to be the guy that's in charge of that guy's development over the next couple of years based on everything we know and what we've seen over <laughs> the past, you know, not just week, but like several months? I, I mean, Kyle, I'm being honest with you. I care little about any of that. I get it. I don't care. Well, you're talking about the, the bar stuff, right? Uh, no, I'm talking about Urban Meyer being the coach. I don't care. Actually, I, I don't want them to fire him. I want him to have to suffer through this experiment. <laughs> Why? Why? Because he need, he deserves it, Kyle. Ooh. He deserves it. So we're on the same page with this. Yes, he deserves Trouble it. Trouble follows that dude everywhere he goes. He needs to sit here and, and coach and work his way through it and not always have it your way. And then the first moment USC or some other – College gig calls him. He gets to show up and get a gig. No. He chose Jacksonville. Go down there. You got the quarterback you wanted. You got everything else you wanted. Your ETN's not even playing. Give him time. Look, what he does at closed bars, like, I really care less about. But his apology was horrific. Horrible. Horrific. So bad. All right. Can, can I say something real quick about that? Because you're absolutely right. And I said this on the air yesterday because as I was talking about this. A few, there were a couple of guys that would say things like, why do we even care about this? You know, you don't even hold the, why are we trying to hold this guy to the same standard or a different standard than the last president? And, you know, who cares what he did? I'm like, listen, I don't care what he does in I his don't. private life. I really don't. I don't. It doesn't bother me at all. But this dude has a like multi-decade now track record of just trouble following him. Well, not even following him, like him basically brewing trouble everywhere he's been. So at what point, you know, once you've seen the hiring of the racist strength and conditioning coach, uh, the, the Tebow thing, which everybody likes Tim, but like that was a publicity stunt really more than anything else. <laughs> um, you know, the, the ETN thing, which a lot of people thought was unwise going with a first round running back when you had some other options. Well, I, I, I would like the ETM. I mean, he's I like hurt too. I, I'm not, I'm not even, I don't even care about that. And but, you look at Clemson now, you're like, bro, I mean, he helped them a lot. Offensively. Big time. Yeah. No, he made some of those <laughs> offensive linemen look good, but like then the reports that, you know, he's coming, he's coming unglued. He's, you know, losing his temper. And so all of it gets to this, where the thing happens in the bar and look, let's be honest, like, no, none of the story he told about what happened was true. Uh, we could all see what happened, um, and it, that is what it is. But like you said, to stand up there, like staring at the ground with your hands in your pocket, shuffling like a 13-year-old kid, and you know, kind of half-assing your way through an apology where you don't even get to apologizing to your wife and kids to like 60 seconds in after you've apologized to like three or four other groups of people. <sighs> yes, it's totally sincere. He didn't even address the team until today because he got called out for just popping into a couple of position group meetings to acknowledge it and then walk out. And the Mike Silver report from – Oh, he didn't say – he didn't – I thought he said he talked to the, some people on the team. Well, he did, he, what he said was he just went into some position group meetings and addressed those guys in, like, at, group by group. But then, you know, it was pointed out that why wouldn't you just address everybody as a team, everybody in the same room? So it's not the end of the world, but, like, he's just screwed this up every step of the way. Right. And so he continues to do that. They don't have team meetings every day? He canceled Monday's meeting because of this. They had a team meeting Monday that he canceled because of this. On top of that, and that's the other thing. Like, this has now impacted your team. You had a team meeting on Monday that had to be canceled because you couldn't, you couldn't, you didn't think anybody in the bar had a camera on them or had a phone on them. So, like, the whole point here is that you've gotten to this point now, right? And everybody's looking at it, already thinking this guy might want the USC job. Now he's in trouble. Is he trying to get himself fired is what a lot of people are asking. And you just have to wonder, how's anybody going to respect him? Then comes Mike Silver's report from one of the players in the locker room, his source, that said he walked in, gave some, you know, similar apology or gave some similar explanation, but they all kind of thought it was just pathetic and then la like laughed hysterically when he left the meeting room. And the guy was like, and he knows, he heard it. Like, he heard us laughing and said that he didn't know how Irvin was going to function now. So how does that – maybe you don't fire him midseason, but there's no way he's coming back next year, is he? I mean, I, 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 come on. I mean, after what you just said. Right. It's hard. Um, I, I don't know, Kyle. I'm not in that locker room. 
I'm trying not to laugh myself right now from just listening to that story. Because I'm half fired up and half cracked up because this was like in some All you ways, have to do is win. That's all you Kyle, have to do. That's all you, you have to win. You can you get have away to with win this when you're 4-0. You can't yes. get away with this when you're You can be grinding on some random when you're undefeated, okay? But when you when you when you are defeated, right. you don't get to you do don't that. Get to do that, right? No. no. You, yeah, your business is your if you and your wife are I don't care what you do. I really I don't. don't either. It First of all, the, let me tell you, Kyle, I'm going to be 100% honest. And so as I'm watching him like get up there and doing his press conference and apologize and blah 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 and it was hilarious. And the thing that I was laughing at the most was not how he looked. At, well, it was actually how he did look. Because to me, I, I was like, dude, this guy looks like somebody that's answering these questions. Like, man, I don't give a damn about what y'all talking about. He is hurting way more at home right now. This motherfucker is in trouble. He knows. He knows. Oh. He, his shit's on the front lawn. Like, he oh, his shit's dude. on the front lawn. He's like, man, half of what is, uh, how much is... Man, dude. Come on now. Dude, he is just like gone. He like that's what it looked like to me. He looked like this dude is in front of y'all and it's not even half of what he's probably having to deal with at the house right now. How can he last? I don't understand. <laughs> like there's no way you can bring him back next year. Maybe you don't make this a huge deal and fire him in season, but you can't bring him back. You can't. Like it's gonna piss off Shad Khan to have to pay him a buyout to go away. He's gonna be furious about that. But I think you, unless they have some miraculous. What turnaround. is the buyout after one year? It's probably I don't know. It's ridiculous. not college. It's not college football. But you're right. It's probably something absolutely absurd. It's, it's something probably ridiculous. I bet it's in the forty million dollar range. I probably has to be right. Then he definitely is back. You think? Definitely. I don't know, man. Owners don't just give away that much. Well, right. But if you got to get rid of a problem, even if it's an expensive one, those guys tend to do that, don't they? Nope. No? Not that much. No, not about $40 million worth. Man. Well, you know what? They're so if, if it was, I would say 10, yes. Anything over 10, no. Who? Yeah. Not me, you're just going to let it circle Because the it's drain? different. It's different from college to pro. In college, it's like a group of people get the money together. In the pro, it's just like one checkbook. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. It's different. It's more personal. It is more personal. It's, like, you know <laughs> it's, it's definitely more personal. When in college, you round up like 30, you know, alums. Right. They get the money Throw together. Throw the money in the hat. That boys, yeah, yeah, yeah. Put it in the hat. Put it in the hat. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like round when you're – Round the bag, man. When you're, when you're part of a golf club, you know, it's, hey, assessment fees. Yes. This is part of the program, That's fellas. how we roll. This is how, how we roll. we roll, This man. is why we get to make these decisions. The, the NFL's wild. With the NFL, is not. It's just one. It's wild, man. Like, Urban Meyer's never had a season in his college football coaching career worse than 9-3. and three. This dude's won three national championships, one of the very few to do it at two different programs. And the one, arguably the biggest part of this dude's legacy outside of Gainesville and Columbus, Ohio, will be the kind of stuff that we're talking about. Dude. Because it, he will forever be associated with this kind of stuff. It's It's – Kyle, man, it would look so funny, though, man. Dude, I was laughing my ass off. I mean, he was the girl was dancing on him. And, look, I got to be honest, too. I mean, a lot of – most dudes like being flirted with. Yes, okay? that's true. <laughs> that is true. You and most I, dudes like being flirted with. We're treading with. into some dangerous water here. We I'm, are. But you're and, right. And I'm not, I'm not taking up for Especially him. Especially old but dudes, just, of which we are not yet. But I can yes. see the mindset where you're feeling like your, your best years are behind you. And, you know, it's a little ego stroke, right? You know what I mean? I get it. Urban you know Meyer I mean? gets – he's got But a, he's Urban Meyer in his own bar, bro. That's you got to understand. That's so dumb. This is not like – in the middle of nowhere. Does Michael Jordan get caught like, doing this stuff? Does Michael Jordan get caught doing this stuff? No, he does not. It's like, like everybody on. just assumes that Mike is out having fun and doing things that you wish you could be doing, but you don't see him getting caught with a uh, with a uh, camera you on a phone. Got to be smarter than it's this. It's insane. Like that's this, to me, it's like bro, foolishness, and that's why people think that he's trying to get himself fired because exactly. it's so ridiculous. That's why I let off by saying. Don't give him that out. But here's what I don't understand. <laughs> How does it benefit him to get stated. fired as opposed to just resigning? Because he looks worse by getting fired. So why not, if you really want to leave, just resign. You don't have to force him <laughs> to fire Because he doesn't want to look like So that's why could. I don't buy it. Like, if you want out, you don't have to go to the lengths of embarrassing yourself like that to get yourself fired, right? I don't think he did it on purpose. I don't but, think so either. But he definitely did not think this through. That is absolutely true. <laughs> he did not think so this the, through. You know what? There, there are some... Different organizations. And clearly, where was the homeboy at that was like, bro, that can't be happening right now? So where's the homie at? Where's your get back coach, man? 
Where'd you get back, Coach? Where are they at? Everywhere. You take them with you everywhere. Dog, right? you, you got to the have the, the homie the right there. The lady with the camera, you get her back. That's yeah. why you get back. Coach goes everywhere. You got to have one, man. Didn't Chris Carter tell those? You know what? That's a bad story. Probably shouldn't tell that one from a couple of years Chris ago. Chris Carter's right? not lying, though. He was not lying. Well, I mean, it wasn't good advice, though. <laughs> Doesn't make it good advice. You're right. That's it, very it true. There was some truth to what he was saying, as history does show us. So, uh, you know what? I, I joked today on the air that uh, – you know, Panthers fans feel really, really good about where they are right now as an organization. As you also know, not that they were your years, but there have been some lean years with the Carolina Panthers. But the one thing you could always be grateful for is that you weren't the Jacksonville Jaguars because nobody wants to be the Jacksonville Jaguars. Mark Brunel ain't walking through that door anytime soon, and they're just a mess of an organization. But speaking of messes of organizations, I don't know how much we can even talk about this, but this, is one of, this might be the craziest headline of the week. And when I looked down and saw this a couple of days ago, I was kind of floored. The feds, the DEA, raiding the Washington football team facilities. And it's a criminal investigation of Ryan Vermillion, who was the uh, head trainer. RV? Of what, 18 years, I think? I, I love RV. I love RV. That's one of Ron Rivera's crutch phrases. I got to check with RV. I mean, I mean just uh, <laughs> that's how everybody knows him around here. I got to check with RV. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime Ron was asked about an injury, got to check with RV. Yes, RV's the man, bro. Right? Um, love that dude. Great human being. And it totally floored me when I saw that. I have no idea what it is. Um, but anytime you, you think about federal agents or the feds getting involved in any type of uh, trainer or any type of aspect, it has something to do with, I would assume, or I would guess yeah. that would have something to do with uh, – the the medical the me, uh, the pills or yeah that or I've medicines seen like some, some to things. me that would be the only thing I could even think that would even be possible I have no idea especially for them to be going to the Washington Redskins one facility. of the useful things about Twitter is that while it's not always the best information uh, before sometimes accredited or you know uh, reputable news organizations right. will report things like this you can Twitter search things and find certain people having conversations about it already right. so I've seen some things that I will call unsubstantiated rumors at this point but some of what I've seen might suggest what you're talking about. So well, like, well, I know, I know. For an example, in New Orleans, the feds were trying to link the Saints with, uh, with uh, certain people giving pills to unsolicited coaches or, or, or people not involved with the, um, with the organization. So, I, that would, that's how I know that yeah. if the feds were involved, like that, it is around that realm. I would assume anytime you're into a football. Uh, space like the NFL that's the only thing that would link those two together and not only that no, like, unless no, nobody's selling dope out the, the it, facility. it was made clear from the very beginning that this was an investigation unrelated to the team so this yes. is all about Ryan Vermillion right, right, right. and the fact that they they still raided the facilities the DEA is not coming in and raiding your facilities unless they know exactly what they're looking for yeah so they came in with an idea a pretty good one of what they were doing so th I'm actually surprised that, that there's not been more information released on this yet but it is the feds so I mean I guess it's not that surprising but I I tend to lean toward you. There's probably something in that realm that we'll probably find out about. So Down I, the road, man. I hate it, man. Prayers up for RV and everything they're going through. His family, uh, his kids. Uh, Ron Rivera seemed – because, you know, if it was interesting because, you know, I know you have a personal relationship with him. I do. And obviously Ron does too. You know, Ron seemed to not necessarily completely go to bat for him when he did his first uh, – made his first statement about it, but he did show support for him. So maybe he knows something, maybe he doesn't. But Right, right. I mean – Look, just because you if your brother makes a mistake or a bad decision, that doesn't mean you get to you stop loving your brother. You know, he made a bad decision. He has to do live with that. He has to yeah. seek those consequences. Everybody has their own lines. Right, right, a line right. You have to cross right. before you get to that point. Exactly, right? yeah. exactly. You Absolutely. Know? So, so th that's how I feel personally because I have a personal relationship with him and his his son, especially who was one of the ball boys that would come over. He works the sidelines all the time. He went to UNCC. So, um, and then, you know, so it, it's uh, pretty, it's just what it is. So, yeah, you know, um, we'll it's, see. Fu it's funny like this. I was watching the Ted Kaczynski uh, Netflix documentary, Man Hunt, Mind Hunter, whatever it was, um, with my wife. And I think it was about the FBI program into psychological profiling. And there's a Ted Kaczynski episode. And the long and short of it is his brother reported him, the, uh, uh, the Unabomber, Ted Kaczynski. His brother was one of the, like, basically was integral in helping get him arrested. And there was some scene down the stretch that was either about, you know, his brother who turned him in, either visiting him in prison or still wanting to talk to him or something like that. And my wife said, man, I just don't know how you'd still talk to your brother if he was a serial killer, you know, and did this and that. And I was like, no, nah, I do. And she's like, what? And I was, 
he's my brother. Like, I, I, I'm not saying that I condone it. I'm, I'm not saying I wouldn't want to or think that he shouldn't be punished. But he's still my brother. I'd want to talk to him. Like, I'd want yeah. to ask him why the hell he did that. I'd, you know, I'd at least want to speak yeah. to him. So, but you're right. Like, it's one of those things where you form a tight bond with somebody. You're not going to turn your back on them, at yeah. least until you're forced to do so. So, it's a crazy story. There, there's no question about that. What is the sc- it's oh. one it's one one how did i miss this rome well they hit a home run who did uh i think it was turner justin turner hit a home run yeah. and i missed it yeah one one ball game yeah, i did. hate these wild card games so much the one and dones man i hate them man i really do and i took shit today on the show from certain people they're like oh you just hate it because the dodgers are stuck no i've been since day one i was furious they didn't make this a three-game series like, this should be a three-game series. Baseball's not like football and basketball. It's not at all. Like, a, a one-game play. No, this should be a three-game series. And I realize there's an exception to this situation this year. You know, most of the time, we don't get 106-win teams playing in the wild-card game. But the San Francisco Giants had an incredible year. And I think they won 108-109. The Dodgers won 106. So they get stuck in this game. And their reward, if they do win it, is to face the Giants. Like, baseball's <laughs> playoff format is stupid. And, and has been, you know, in some ways for some time. But like at the Kyle, very- when does baseball ever get it right? This year, the games <laughs> lasted longer than it did at any other time in history. Theo Epstein's going to be the commissioner, and he's going to save this game <laughs> by reversing all of the horrible, nerdy math <laughs> equations that he put into baseball. That's such a Neanderthal take. But, like, he's, I, I, he's working in the commissioner's office now, and I hope Theo Epstein is the next commissioner of baseball because he has admitted that guys like him have really hurt the game. <laughs> You know, with, with all, I mean, just the, the, uh, the all of it, just the, this over-the-top sabermetrics. Trage- and I've got a brother, as you know, who deals with this stuff yeah, every yeah, single yeah. day. He, this he's is working what he the Ramsoto he technology. He's working on spin rate. He's talking about launch angle and exit velo and everything else. What I is mean, exit velo? Exit velocity, how fast oh, the ball okay, comes off okay. the bat. Oh, Shohei Otani hits it a ton. A ton. Very, very hard off the bat. <laughs> um, Whatever that means. Speaking of, I don't know, you probably didn't catch any of Red Sox-Yankees last night. No, of course not. This is going to sound salty, and some people think I'm a hater for saying it, but, like, A-Rod is awful. Alex Rodriguez might be the worst network broadcaster in the business. Why is this so bad? Because I don't. no one knows. He doesn't make any sense. He's one of the greatest players of all time. Oh, no. And maybe he'd be great in uh, – I saw that on Instagram. People ragging him? Yeah. He was terrible. I mean, there's, like, people were destroying him on Twitter. Because speaking of Exit Velo, like, it's a mix of nonsensical jibber-jabber and Captain Obvious statements. Like, they're talking about exit velo last night, and he says, well, in order to have exit velo, you have to make contact. Yeah. That's he how left it there? Yeah, that was it. That was his sole insight, it seemed, <laughs> into exit velocity, that in order to have exit velo, you got to make contact. Thanks, man. <laughs> that really, uh, you know, brought yeah, how my did knowledge he get of the game of baseball. How did he what? How did he get his exit velocity? Making contact. If you, it's like that's if, all. That's all. A rod. That's all you got. If for the us. ball's not coming off the bat, then of course there's no exit velocity because the ball's not exiting anywhere. You got to make contact with the bat. So like, it's just the most captain obvious stuff. Then he starts talking about packing your lunch when you face the Tampa Bay Rays. Nobody knew what that meant. Uh, it says three runs in this ballpark is worth one run in other ballparks, which is not a thing. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, I mean, it even started yesterday morning when I had why, sports. Why would on. they say that? Because the, the. There's no real home field advantage in baseball. No, there is. Uh, there was last night. Fenway was rocking. See, last that's night. what he said. That's what you're talking about. What do you mean? One run in that place is. But that's worth not three. a thing. It's not. I mean, that doesn't even make any sense. That wouldn't. You couldn't even apply that to football and make it make sense. Okay, you're probably. Right. That's all I'm saying. And so, then, of <laughs> course, the whole, like the entire baseball internet is just dragging a rod last night. And then today, uh, news comes out. ESPN wants to re-sign a rod for next year. Thus proving that, you know, those TV analyst jobs like that, all about how big a name they can get. You know, because A-Rod will, uh, you know, he's more likely to get people to stop, I guess. Hey, man, he's he's a New York guy. He played for the Yankees. Played for the Yankees. That matters. That's my haterade for the night. I I appreciate it, man. Thanks, man. Thanks for sharing. Very successful fella. One of the greatest sluggers of all time. New owner of the Minnesota Timberwolves, too. Who? Alex Rodriguez. See? So, I mean, he's like, doing big things, you know, I, I, I do think maybe he's a little bit sad after the J-Lo breakup. I think that might be rattling Duh. his cage a little bit. I mean, obviously. J-Lo leaves you. I mean, come on. Dude, look. Ben Affleck's back, son. <laughs> back. <laughs> did he you ever go seen anywhere? this cat? Yeah, he did go somewhere for a while. He, yeah, dog. I got the Ben Affleck. He went dark, right bro. He went dark. I know. That's what, like, he, he went dark. He came went out. 
Batman, Bruce Wayne, and now I got J Lo. He's shots. gonna he's gonna he's gonna end up fucking paying for another Batman movie just so he can have J Lo in that bad boy and like make out with him. Did you watch him in a Batman movie? Yeah, he was alright. I didn't see it. He's alright. He was alright. He's alright. So like, th- but he's, he's not better than uh, you're right. The though. last guy. He went through a dark phase. Like, I mean, I don't know. I don't remember who it was. Maybe it was after the the Jennifer Garner divorce. Is that right? But anyway, it doesn't matter. Like paparazzi shots. This dude stopped walking out his front door with a beer gut, smoking a heater. You know, rocking some sweatpants and like a, a three-day-old polo. Like he looked rough there for a while, but now that dude's just strapped again. Like looking in shape, dating J Lo. He's got the love of his life back. Ben, you're right. Ben Affleck is back. He's back, dog. That dude is back, back, He's back, bro. I'm mm. telling you. And shout out to shout out to Benifer, dog. To Benifer. He's back. See, now I know how deep this goes with you too. Why? Now Why my wife does the same thing. It's okay. I, look, for me, I just I just know how. I mean. J Lo's pretty talented, bro. I, I went and watched her at uh, no. Vegas. Yeah, no, she's pretty talented. She's yeah, pretty good she at what is. she does. She's very Speaking good. of, did you see the halftime show for the Super Bowl? It was with Shakira. Oh my gosh. Oh no, 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 no. The the upcoming Super Bowl. Oh halftime yeah, yeah. Show. It's like it's packed. It's like Snoop Dogg. It's uh, Dr. Dre. Dr. Eminem. Dre. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna be good. Uh, who else was? It? I think Kendrick Lamar is part of it. Uh, yeah, it'll be really good. Oh, that's. I mean, like that's right there because you and I brought this up last time, right? Yes, I think we did. That's because right. the NFL is actually starting to like turn a corner. And, and like turn an page. idiot, really I forgot that the Bruno Mars performance was the halftime of the Super Bowl that you played in uh, against the Broncos. And to me, that was the last great Super Bowl halftime yeah, performance. Yeah, I did see I, it. Of course you didn't, because why would you? Yeah. But, like, that's the last great one that I remember. And, of course, that's a, you know, sour memory for you. So uh, And Bruno Mars is very talented. Love that guy. He's extremely talented. He's, I mean, he's just insanely talented. But I, I did want to ask you about something else, too, just real quick, because I know that, that players tend to uh, – actually, I don't know. I shouldn't say that. Why, Aaron Rodgers, like, teed off today kind of, but was also really insightful on NFL officiating, uh-huh. on Pat McAfee, because it's been garbage. The, the uptick in taunting penalties, they're on pace to throw over five times the number of taunting penalties they threw all of last season. Um, did you see the Chase Young uh, personal foul on Matt Ryan Sunday? No. He played patty cake with Matt Ryan, tried to swat the ball out of his hands. Matt Ryan dropped to his right knee, and they called a, I mean, it, like a 15-yard penalty. It what was, happened now? I'll show you the replay. It, it's, 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 <laughs> just, I'll look it up. Yeah, look it up. You got it right there. Just Chase Young, Matt Ryan, and then just uh, you'll, the reaction, I'm sure, will tell the entire story. But – Aaron Rodgers said today, he said, well, I guess, you know, look at some of the best officials in the league and guys that are known to be the best at what they do. And he started rattling off, you know, the Mike Pereira's, the uh, Dean Blandino's, um, you know, a few of the guys that are now doing network TV, the guys that, you know, pop in during instant replays and, you know, give it from an officiating perspective. And he said, these guys have all been siphoned off basically by the TV networks where they're making more money. They're in the, the headquarters. You know, they're not having to be on the field anymore. And so all the, the best have been taken to these network positions. And, you know, there's been kind of a talent drain because of it. Now, there are only so many of those TV network jobs, and I don't know the extent to which that's the case, but, I mean, it was an interesting look at it. Where, like, and they called that rough in the past. You saw that? Yeah. How bad was that? I mean, what did, what did they want? Egregious. What, what? Egregious. So bad. What is he? What did he do? He played patty cake with him. He had this chest plate he, on his he, Yeah, he, and he tried to hit the ball. He went for the ball. Right. I didn't even try and tackle this dude. Right. I went for the ball. And that was a 15-yarder. I mean, that, that's, I mean, is that where we are right now with NFL officiating? Like, Sunday against the Cowboys. If, they, if the NFL guys think it's bad, well, and look, I get it, because they have, like, a whole thing, the officiating. They paid them all this money. They gave them all these benefits and perks. They should be held to a higher standard right. than any other referee group, group of referees out there. So I agree with them if these referees are getting it wrong. But the, co- the competition committee is telling them to do this. They are the ones that are in control, and they are the ones that have and put emphasis on these penalties every year. So these refs come out here and do what the competition committee wants. Yep. So I'm not just going to let them sit up here and point fingers at the referees when the people on top of that are the ones that tell them to I do it. It was the John Maras. And, yeah, you know, it was all, all the, them that told him to do it. Yes. So let's call a spade a spade. Absolutely. And it's not – it starts all the way above them. No so question. the referees are just doing it. If the referees are like, hey, look, tell them to stop telling us to call it, and we will. Yep. And then we'll do it. And, and, that's, and that's what that's, should happen. And that's what should happen. So they had this thing. They're going to stop it, hopefully. And they need to back off on a lot of this stuff. I, I guess my question it, is, was it, it ever doesn't really add a to problem? The game. Was it ever it, really a problem? They had a fight break out in the playoffs last year because of, uh, was it the Saints game? Or I think it was, right? Either I, way, so there was a taunting issue. A fight broke out. And so all of a sudden, they got to crack down on e- it. Even, even after games, too. You had Josh Norman in the offensive tackle from Tennessee. Then you had, uh, uh, who was that years ago with Sherman? 
and uh, and Trent Williams. Yep. You, so you had stuff after games too that have kind of popped up and flared up, and but that's just an overreach by the people on top. That's all that is, and they're they're searching to try and kill something off because now because of social media, people have more access and see these things and they mm-hmm. play it, and those things get more views and clicks than the average good football play because that's just what social media has done for us now. And that's what people want to see is drama and blah, blah, blah. So that's what they click on. And the the AI systems of Facebook and Instagram, True, since buddy. the Facebook whistleblower has told us, that is what they AIs continue to put in front of more eyes and more viewers. And they force these things to be seen more. That's why I don't see a lot of things, Kyle, because I'm not – on social media because you have the the good sense to you know stay away from it dude you know i said something last week um about auburn right and people just want to go negative and think that yes because i said that brian harson firing a young black coach when the quarterbacks stink at auburn the play at quarter at auburn had been bad and they fired the receivers coach with receivers haven't been good either but to on the outside looking in in the state of alabama where he was known as one of their better recruiters that if you think that you're still going to go to the same area that he was recruiting and talk to those young black kids and their parents are going to say, Hey, why you fire that black coach or why you fire that coach? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm pretty <laughs> sure they're going to ask that question. Yeah. You need to have an answer for that or you're going to lose out on every single one of those recruits in that area for the next year or two. I promise you that. And people got mad and saying like, Oh, Roman's trying to say he's racism. Trying to, I'm trying to come back. And I'm like, bro, I think I did you a favor by at least telling you what's down the road. So you might need to have an answer in your pocket and not sit up here and say, I'm trying to call somebody racist, all right? Because I don't care what you do with your staff, bro. That's your staff. Hire and fire whoever you want. I don't care. No, no. But people like to spin things negatively, and that's a lot of times that's their own emotions. They are uh, portraying that or forecasting that on you from your opinion when you're not saying that at all. It's it's because – and look, I (laughs) – it, First of all, I think college football is crazy this year. College football is the best this year. It is. And you know why it's the best? Because upsets are happening. Yes, except for upsets of two teams. Well, well, look, upsets are great. They are what everybody loves about college football because they just don't happen. Well, it's always the underdog, and the talent levels are so different in college from team to team at yep. times. Yep. In the NFL, the separation of talent is here. So anybody beats anybody doesn't matter as much. It can happen. Any given Sunday. In college, these, the talent levels here sometimes with some of these programs. So when the upset happens, it means so much more. Not only that, but everybody in the country is always rooting for the upset when it's not their team. Yes. That is the joy and the passion of what college football that we all share and they really appreciate on Saturdays. I think I may harp on this this week. Well, yeah, because in the NFL, the saying goes, you can get beaten by anybody any week, right? Any given Sunday, <laughs> they're all pros. Like you said, the talent gap is not wide in most instances. So, you know, it's not a shock if it does happen. And home fields. Right. Any time home field advantage matters in college. Anytime you have a group of 18 to 22-year-olds going to a foreign territory, playing on a different crowd, and the crowd's in, crazy things can happen. Yes. Crazy things, well, especially when it comes to kickers. So I thought one of those crazy things was going to happen in Athens last Saturday. Not the upset itself, but I thought Arkansas was going to go in. Defense was going to play lights out. I joked with you it was going to be a 9-3 ball game, the whole deal. <laughs> and they got that game, just – That game was over before it started. That bludgeons. let me know Arkansas had not played in a big moment nope. on the road before. And they jumped off sides the first two plays. From there on, it was shellacking. Yep, beat down. It was just so lacking. So, like, I, I, was more, I was actually more impressed by Georgia's win over them than I was Alabama's over Ole Miss. But there wasn't that big a difference because Al- I mean, Ole Miss is not great defensively. We know that. They weren't great no, no, last no. year. They're not great this year. But so, I thought you thought that Al- Alabama's – let me tell you, Alabama's defense, I was at the game, Kyle, and I want to talk about that too. Um, going back to Tuscaloosa was awesome. Um, shout out to all the fans in the crowd. They, they were great. And – Watching them, you thought Ole Miss was going to score a lot of points too. But Alabama's defense, and you saw a motivated Alabama team. You saw a motivated Nick Saban who had marked that game down on his calendar since last year. They were ready to go. They were highly, highly prepared. They knew what Ole Miss was going to do. And Alabama's defensive line dominated Ole Miss's offensive line. They got after the quarterback. 
They hit at Matt Corral. Matt Corral played a pretty decent game. He, he really, really did. Hit. He yeah. didn't play bad. I watched the game. He played pretty good. Bama so, just blitzed him. I mean, Bama just, yeah. And they didn't have to blitz to get pressure. Their guys up front were getting after him. So you saw that happen. Uh, it really nullified Lane's tempo, and Alabama was prepared. They were prepared. They didn't let the tempo get them off, off rhythm. And also Alabama was able to score. When Ole Miss took it all the way down there in that first drive, and took up almost the whole clock of the first quarter. And then Alabama drives it right back 95 yards and punches it in for seven. You're like, man, shit, that's a big-time response. Yeah. They didn't go down there and get field goal or just punt. No, they went and scored 95 yards right behind you. And now it was only one possession each team in the first quarter. You're like, damn, this game, it's already in the second quarter. Then they go out, they go again. Lane goes for it again on fourth down, gets it a couple times. Lane was being aggressive. He knew he had to do that. He stuck to his guns. But then Alabama came right back, scored, and then it just kind of unraveled. And next thing you know, you look up. You played a – you hadn't played terrible. You've moved the ball. You've done some things. But you're down 21 nothing still. Right, right, right. And still. the game's over. Yeah, the game's over. That's it. You can play even the rest of the way. You can play great the rest of the way. You're not winning the game. <laughs> you don't fall behind 21 nothing in games <laughs> like that and come back on those teams. They're no, too good. No, not, not on the road. No, I mean, Florida did. But I think Florida's pretty good. now. Florida was at home. Florida was at home. <laughs> And they lost to a good Kentucky team. I can't believe it took that long to rank Kentucky, by the way. I know you've probably been preaching well, on that too. but Kentucky hadn't beat anybody. They hadn't blown anybody out. They beat Missouri, which Missouri's not good. And the other teams early in the year, it was kind of back and forth. They played a Tennessee-Chattanooga team that w- was way too close. Uh, no, no. Uh, who, did, uh, who did Kentucky beat? They beat somebody before. Last year? No, after Missouri, they played somebody. They only won about like seven or ten points. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So so all those games are being close. So I understand why they were not ranked. But South then, Carolina, 16-10. Right. right. South Carolina is another example. So, 16. Oh, that's not the game you were talking about. No, it was one before that. It was even closer. Okay, I'll grab so, it. So um, you look at it, and you're, Kentucky played a great game. Florida played terrible. Um, Florida has to figure out their quarterback situation. Uh, they got two two good quarterbacks, but Emory Jones should. Yeah, be it was Chattanooga, twenty eight, twenty three. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, twenty eight, twenty three. That's yep. what I'm saying to yeah. Chattanooga. You know, Michael Felder told me you'll like this. <laughs> Michael Felder said yesterday. He goes, you know what Kentucky's like. He goes, you ever had that uh, annoying little brother? Because you know that annoying little brother who does things like gets up in your face and in your space. Like I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. I'm not touching you. He's like, that's what Kentucky is as a football team. They just annoy the hell out of you, but they're always right there. And they're, they've got a shot to win it. And it's just they're, not a, they're never great, right? They're never an elite team. But under Mark Stoops, they become a consistently good team. And, like, that's a testament to that uh, university and that athletics department and that school president because they could have run Mark Stoops off after about year five. Yeah, but, uh, but they, they, invested, they stuck with it. They stuck with him. They, had, they made some major capital investments in, in their facilities up Liam there. Liam Cohen's Lexington. done a great job with some play calling. They're running the football offensively. They start out so good offensively, and they, yes. you know, they're taking steps down. They're not you know, perfect. Fl- Florida's a played better defensively this way. Florida had 15 penalties, Kyle. 15 penalties. That's bad. They had eight false starts, Kyle. Right. Eight. Yeah. Do you know eight of them? And six of those were on third and fourth down. Do you remember? That's not good at all. I don't know if you it was, can't win that way. Was it this way when you played? Especially the, on the road. It was this way for a very long time. Kentucky was an automatic W on your schedule. Yeah, and you're going to have more more. We had more fans in the in the stands too. Right, they were just a. When you've played Kentucky, that mm-hmm. was a win. Like they, it was they weren't Vanderbilt bad, but like in some years they were Vanderbilt bad. Yeah, they were. I mean, like, they were when I was in school, they definitely were. Vanderbilt bad. So like they've come a long way as a program. Um, I don't know if they'll ever be great, but they're they won't beat Georgia, but they can definitely they're definitely the second best team in the they beat in my the Hokies right in now. the Belk Bowl a couple of years ago. Lynn Bowden, I mean, just uh, you know, furious comeback to win it. Um, they're just. They're good. They're solid. You know, I like them. I like what they're playing in defense. They're, they're, they're stymie. Speaking so. of my Hokies, i got to bring this up. I am taking our boy, Evan Smoke Ludwig, to Blacksburg uh, two days from now. He's Notre never, Dame. Three, he's never seen his Irish play. Big Notre Dame fan, never seen his Irish play, and he's never been to Blacksburg. Give me the breakdown, Kyle. Of the game? Yes. Vegas has it as a pick em. Literally a pick em. Uh, Notre Dame just lost at home to Cincinnati like I thought they would. I think like, like a lot of people thought they would because Cincinnati's for real. I agree. Uh, they're not Bama, Georgia, for real, but they're very, very good. And well, the Alabama, Georgia, they are they're on top of the mountain. They're they're clear cut better than everybody yes. else in college football. Hundred percent this year, yes. they are. You got you got to <laughs> do some Black Panther stuff to get up there and knock them off. Like it's going to have to happen. 
But like they, they're 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 really good. So Notre Dame's coming in. They're probably pissed off, which isn't great. They just lost to Cincinnati at home, but it's a pick 'em. And Notre Dame's not that good. They have talent, like the Hamilton kid, maybe a top ten pick at safety. He he's a great player. Um, you know, I, Jack Cohn is not bad, but like this is the same team that went to overtime with Florida State. Like it's the same team that nearly lost to Toledo at home. I almost uh, don't trust Notre Dame. You know, how I feel about Notre Dame. No, I, I get it. I oh, he's a safety it. though. So so this is what happens. Virginia Tech has the defense to win it, and they've got the crowd at their back. Lane Stadium is going to be electric on Saturday night. Yep. They, they could secure their second top fifteen upset of the year. So at the same time, I don't trust them to score. I, I don't think I, like they lost James Mitchell, their tight end, who's an NFL good, their best offensive weapon, and Braxton Burmeister is a nice player. He can run. I, he's not a great passer, and I don't think his offensive coordinator does him a lot of favors. So, you know, we saw them against West Virginia go down 27-7 in the third, fight their way back, get a turnover, and it basically they gifted the football game. with first. They had it first and goal from the four in a game they should have never been in and then had no business losing and still couldn't punch it in. Ran a jet sweep to the boundary, you know, and, and when they, they're rolling out, cutting off half the field. Like things that just – I know you as a football guy probably hate from an offensive perspective. So I don't think that – I just am skeptical of their ability to score. But if they win, uh, they're 4-1. and one, They're still unbeaten in conference play. and They'll wait, be ranked – Top oh, yeah. 25. Back yeah. in the top 25. Yeah, yeah, for they, sure. They, in my opinion, they shouldn't have been bounced in the first place, but that's neither here nor there. I'm a homer. Um, but, no, they, they're back in the top 25. They win that game and still sitting in the catbird seat in the Coastal. So we'll I mean, see. how about everybody needs to just beat up on Clemson if you're in the ACC, too, right now. You better get them now. Take shots. Oh, sure. man. You need to kick them while they're down. 100%. And everybody else should just pile on right now. Yes. And it'll be a humble a year for humble pie for all the Clemsonites. How little do the voters think of the ACC that 25th-ranked Clemson beat a 4-0 and team at home on Saturday and still got dropped from the polls? Like, they're unranked for the first time since November 2014. Clemson's unranked. Yeah. After oh, they beat Boston they College. They beat Boston, 4-0 Boston College, who is not great. They, I mean, they hadn't played anybody. They beat Mizzou. But yeah. you and I both know Mizzou's terrible. Mizzou is struggling. They're really, struggle yeah, that's your SEC network part of you. They're struggling. Man, I'll they, say they're oh. terrible. But, uh, no, I mean, that's – they get dropped from the polls. So how little do these voters think of the ACC? Like, Virginia Tech lost as a 15th-ranked team in the country to a, a longtime rival on the road in a crazy environment, and they got dropped out of the top 25, right? <laughs> There's no respect for the ACC whatsoever this year. No, I don't think so, Kyle. Like, I mean – I, I saw some, some stats, some number. It was saying, like – the highest rated team with the most percentage chance to get into the playoffs is like NC State because sure. they beat Clemson. And Wake Forest is the, the unbeaten. Like Wake <laughs> Forest is 19th ranked in the country, 5-0. and oh, And you mention them as the, like a, a possible playoff berth and everybody's like, no, okay. Sure. <laughs> like that's like, the response you get. I, and who is that? I listened to somebody and they said that, you know, Cincinnati did everybody a favor, all right, because they beat Notre Dame. So now we don't have to worry about Notre Dame getting in the playoffs. Gone. This, please. Th it did Notre Dame a favor too, all right? So they don't go to the playoffs and get drubbed by 30-something again this year. Yeah. Instead, you get to just maybe go win a bowl game and be happy about your season. Be happy. Yeah, just be happy. Take it and be happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just go be happy. You won your last game. No, but, like, I mean, Wake Forest is good. Dave Claus, I – all due respect to anybody from Wake Forest who's listening, I am still baffled that Dave Clawson is still at Wake Forest. How, how somebody, Nebraska or Tennessee, like there's a former connection there that this is a whole story, but like. With Tennessee? No, nah, man. I like Josh Heifel. Josh Heifel's doing some really good no, things. No, but I'm Tennessee. saying they've had multiple opportunities to hire Dave Clawson, and they haven't. And, and, multi, and, several, and he's a very, very good college football coach. Now, I think this might be the year that somebody finally pries him away, but like they're good. And he's, he's done something that – most people didn't think could be done when Jim Grobe left, right? Jim Grobe won the ACC at Wake Forest. He won an ACC championship. That's unheard of. That is. Now, he feasted on a bad down ACC, but they still <laughs> won it, right? So, that counts. It's true. So, I mean, Steve Spurrier won it at Duke. Right. So, like. Which is crazy. They've been around that pro football pro program has been playing like 80 years, and yeah. they won one ACC championship. Absolutely. And it was under coaching of Steve Spurrier. Absolutely. So, <laughs> This is there's not a very high opinion of the <laughs> ACC right now, and uh, it's going to take some magic to save it this year. So I don't know. I'm not I'm not sure where that whole thing's going to go. Um, man, there was one more thing I wanted to mention to you. Oh, so the college game day. Mm -hmm. Wh where are you this week for SEC Nation? By the way, we are going to Lexington, Kentucky. So you are going to Kentucky. I'm very excited. LSU travels in. Coach O's pretty Ooh. much. I think he's coaching for his job. You, I still think. So he's you think if they lose, he might get the axe? 
Because I do too. No, well, if they lose this game, they're probably going to lose the next couple games, and then he's going to get the axe. I don't know if he makes it to Alabama. So if they lose this game, they will be 8-8 eight and eight since winning the national championship. Yeah, not good. And, and then you look down the road, the other games in front of them do not look good either. Nope. Schedule-wise. Who did – let me check. And, and Kentucky's going to win this game, by the way. You think Kentucky's going to yes. win? Yes, Kentucky's going to win this I, game. You know what, Kyle? I'm almost to the point where. Um, so okay, so you're going to Lexington. You're going to have a blast. College game day is going to, uh, and I will not call it the new name, the Red River Shootout. They're going to Texas, Oklahoma. Correct. Which is great, but shouldn't college game? And look, I know it doesn't matter, but shouldn't college game day be in Iowa? You got third ranked Iowa and fourth ranked Penn State in Kinnick Stadium, like. I don't know. They go to the don't they go to the shootout damn near every year? I mean, they, they go all the time. They do, and Sarkeesian's there, and it's Texas is. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, like I get it. And these two teams are about to be in the SEC. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I get it. I do. I get it. But I mean, you got so many future opportunities to do this. Go to the first one. Like can, the we love college football. Why? Right? You were talking about upsets a little while ago, but all Ooh. the other reasons, like the stadium entrances, the cool traditions. I get choked up every time I even try to talk about this, much less watch it. You know what they do at Kinnick Stadium at Iowa with the Children's Hospital, right? Yes, yes. It is one. I mean, it is up right. Kyle, up, Kyle, before you get so too emotional. Good, so good. Like, college game day. Go to that game. And I'm not even a Big Ten guy, but go to that game. I, it's going to be a really good game. I'm getting off my high horse now. You, it's okay. It's okay. But LSU travels to Kentucky, all right? It's a 730 <laughs> night game. Then from there, Florida comes to LSU. Florida wants revenge for the shoe game last year. Right. All right. Then you got LSU travels to Ole Miss after that. And then they have a bye week, and then they have Alabama. No. Coach O will not be there by the end of the season. I'm like, and then after that, Arkansas comes to LSU. That man's about to get Gene Chizik in a hurry. When, what game are they winning? Right. That's what I'm saying. Him, him and Gene Chizik are going to be, you know, in a pretty exclusive club. <laughs> when it's all said and done. I mean, win a national championship and get fired inside of two years. Like that, it's going to happen. But you know what? It's not just the losses. We all know. It's I like the, Chiz, man. It's Chiz the campus boy. investigation, the sexual assault allegations, the Darius. Right. I think it's the, it's the other stuff. It's, it's, it, the, it, well, the other it's stuff gives them an out. LSU also, thinks they should be Alabama already. So when you're not Alabama now consistently and you have all this other stuff, and there's already been uh, for a long time, and I don't think you'd dispute this. Not, no one's ever been sold on Ed Ogeron being, you know, one of the greatest head coaches of all time. Not even close. Like, they, a lot of people don't think he's a very good head coach, that he had the benefit of Joe Brady and some good assistants and some really talented players. And, you know, LSU always has athletes, right? right. Joe Brady, that offense, they exploded. So there's already a somewhat low opinion of Ed Ogeron, who, if he does get fired, and I think he will, is going to go down with one of the most unique legacies in the history of the SEC, right? Well, yeah, it will be, yes. And he's he's been able to to win early and everywhere he's been. Ed O has always done a good job of hiring the right guys, and he hasn't hired the right guys. And then when you don't win, this allows them that opportunity. Also, you got to look a little bit more internally, Kyle. The athletic director is Scott Woodward. He was not there. He was not the, the athletic director that hired Ed Ogeron. That matters. Scott Woodward has – he brought, he's, he's actually has the, the personality and the track record where he likes to have big-name hires everywhere he's been, okay? He hired Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M, okay? Yeah. He also hired the women's coach from Baylor at LSU just this past offseason. Big-name hires. Jim Mulkey, yeah. He, big-name hires is what he's known for he everywhere he's been. He swings He big. does. And he now maybe has the opportunity to now put his name on this hire as well. So those are points that you can't deny, and that is what he is, and he's the guy now to make that decision. And LSU having a bad year, not looking good. They looked terrible last year. I don't know, man. I I really do think the leash is very short on Ed O, man, even though he just won a championship. Mm. Well, I'm going to leave that there. I don't know what's going to happen. I, I'm seeing the, the, the replay, the StatCast version of Justin Turner's fourth inning solo shot here in this wild card game. Love that guy. I mean, looks like a look, – I mean, look at him. Just fire red hair. Looks like a garden gnome playing third base. I mean, just one of the best to do it. I love that guy. He looks like he could be a wildling. He's in the, he, oh, uh, he's the in best. The, <laughs> in when game when of I Thrones. took my dad out there three years ago for his 60th birthday and they gave him the whole, you know, the whole treatment – 
They were they gave him a jersey that they made for him. It was the 60 year anniversary of the Dodgers. Dad turned 60, so they made him a custom jersey with the number 60 on the back and said Bailey across the top. And the plan was for Justin Turner to come out and present it to him, um, you know, outside of the third base dugout, a couple of hours before the game. But they got called into it to a clubhouse meeting. Uh, unexpectedly, and he couldn't come out and do it. And uh, that's the only thing that went wrong the entire trip. Otherwise, it would have been, you know, completely perfect, perfect because dad loves that guy. So he, he's a beast. 1-1 one, one ball game. Uh, everybody wish me the best. You probably won't because most people hate the Dodgers, but I'm going to go home and watch the rest of the game. We got big stuff coming. Uh, we were uh, – you won't give it away. We had some walkthroughs tonight. So, yeah, man, uh, we shot a little pool, Kyle. Shot a little pool. We got some you, walkthroughs. Kyle, first of all, people. Stop it, dude. Kyle really? made the shot of the night. He jumped the eight ball with the cue ball. It was slick. Boom. Hits his ball in straight down the pipe. Yeah. And then has the eight ball coming right back down straight. It chokes. It choked it away. It chokes. Like a Boom. It was, a, it was an amazing shot. You did. shot like nine out of ten level difficulty. And then Maybe 9.5. And then choked. And then the choked eight the, the eight ball. Like Thanks right for behind people it. know, though. Thanks for and that. then I just walked it in. It was yeah. perfect so, setup uh, for me. We, Thank we you, We might Kyle. be shooting some pool in the future. We'll, we'll see. We'll, <laughs> we'll talk to you next week and uh, looking forward to it. And until then, for, for Roman Harper, I'm Kyle Bailey. Work hard and be nice to each other.